This is Radio Dad with Mike Austin. Shining the spotlight on dads, stepdads, granddads, all dads. Bye, Daddy. And now, Mike Austin. Well, here we go with the latest episode of the Radio Dad Podcast. Hey, it's Mike Austin. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for being here. And uh, let's get going. Our thanks, as always, to our fine sponsors, the folks over at BeRescued.com. If you haven't checked them out, do it. BeRescued.com. That's B-E-E, as in the little bumblebee, B-E-E. Because what they do is they make products, natural products, that are good for your skin, your teeth, uh, your lips, and it's all made out of stuff from bees, bee propolis to be exact. Also, they'll sell you some raw bee pollen, which is really good in smoothies, drinks, sprinkle it on ice cream. It's very good for you. Nature's healer, right? Uh, BeeRescued.com, our, our big sponsor. You can find a link to them at our website, RadioDad.com, down at the bottom of the page. Uh, or just go to BeRescued.com. Without them, we don't do the podcast. So thank you, BeRescued.com. All right, today, I a Radio Dad road trip. Actually, kind of a couple of Radio Dad road trips. I was on the road um, one weekend recently and, and ran into a, um, a young lady that was at a boat, for lack of a better term, a boat show. It was a boat place, and they were having like an outside picnic open house kind of thing. Uh, things are opening up more and that. And um, I, don't know, I heard her over ta- overheard her talking, and my, my dad radar goes up whenever I hear stories about dads. Right, and and let me just let me just bring you. I whipped out my phone. I started recording. She's told me the story of what her and her dad do for handicapped individuals. Her name is Tammy McNeil, and this is what I got from her. You you volunteer with your dad. This is a fishing thing. What what is it called? It's called Fishing Has No Boundaries, and it's originally it's it was started in Hayward, Wisconsin. And my dad and I go up and we volunteer for that. We so, take disabled people fishing. That is awesome. What made you? think to get involved with this? Uh, My dad's been doing it for about 25 years and him and all of his marine buddies started doing it years and years ago and and they still do it and now I go with them. So what made you want to start going with them? Because I love fishing and I I love people. Did you fish with your dad when you were little? Yeah, yes we did. Camping and fishing, yep. Yep. What have you learned about life from your dad while out there fishing? Because fishing is a good time, you just, you know, you talk a lot. I think, I guess I learned growing up that it doesn't matter if you're you like to have fun or if you're, you're quiet and or if you have a disability or you don't have a disability everybody likes to go fishing and and you know I don't know everybody deserves the same amount of respect depending you know yeah. as anyone else you treat everybody the way you want to be treated I guess I who catches say. the most fish you or your dad <laughs> um actually the participants that we take fishing because we help them fish they do and they get more they have more so much fun yeah, dig that. Fishing has no boundaries. I'm going to check that out. It's just good work they're doing. Her and her dad. I thought it was a great story that, uh, you know, her dad inspired her and, and all of that. I just always have my dad radar up, always looking. Uh, people have asked me, okay, so what, you're the, like the world's best dad? No, I'm not. I'm like one of the world's worst. But in doing Radio Dad, I just, I learn just like you guys do, hopefully. It helps me and reminds me of how far I have to go yet. but uh, And I get to meet really cool swinging cats. Let's get to our next guest. I have another Radio Dad road trip here in just a minute. But right now, let me get to the phone. Uh, this guy, Tim Meyer, is out in California. He is a storyteller, an author, a singer, a songwriter, a poet, 
Uh, he does a lot of things, and his is a book, Glad to Be Dead. I thought it was a great, groovy title. Tim, you got to slow down, man. You work too hard. You know? Mike, I so appreciate it. I, I love being on the show. I think what you're doing is just fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I, something tells me you're a pretty hardworking guy, too, so we'll leave that at that. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I like to stay busy because I stay out of trouble. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Myers, author of this book, Glad to Be Dad. Before we get into Glad to Be Dad, though, you write children's books? I didn't know you write children's books. I do. In fact, I have 11 children's books out, I'm delighted to say, and I've got uh, four new ones coming out. So I, I love writing for kids. I, I started out as an adult writer, but when I had kids, I started reading children's books to them, and my wife's a reading specialist. She's amazing. Right. And I realized what children's literature could be, and then I just fell in love with it. I just, I just love it. Well, aside from talking about Glad to be Dead, which I promise we will get to, because I'm, I'm just I'm intrigued by the title. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, uh, we could do a whole show on how good it is, what a great thing it is for dads to become storytellers to their kids, sit them down and make oh, up yeah. stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I found, this is, again, I became a storyteller because I started, I, a lot of parents do this, tell stories to their kids, make things up or tell stories when their yeah. kids are going to bed. And um, that just kind of blossomed in my life. And then later, you know, I became a professional storyteller. But you are so right, Mike. I mean, this, the power of the parent storyteller. And you don't have to be, like, formal. You don't have to be trained. You tell a Life stories, and there are so many stories out there, great folk tales that you can find so easily. Your kids will eat out of your hands, not to mention the unbelievable educational benefits you're giving your kids right. by doing that. Right. Yeah, and, it's, and, a tr- it's a win-win. Well, I, here's what I like to do. I, and again, trust me, Tim, we're going to talk about glad to be dead. I, <laughs> well, but here's what I like no to do. Problem. I like sitting the kids down. Now, they're getting a little older. We haven't done this for a while. When they were little, we would sit them down. I would. At the end of the day, before bedtime, and I would give. Yes. Yeah, I have four at home right now. I have six all together, but four at home. Wow! And I would, but I would give each one. I would say, okay, you give me a noun, you give me a place, you give me, you know, I would say, give me a name of a of an animal, give me uh, uh, something, you know what I mean? And I would exactly. take each one of the things that they gave me, and I would weave a story. I'd make it up as I went along. And you know, and it's funny because not obviously not everybody is going to be or feel as comfortable as you are being quick on your feet with that but but all of us have imaginations yeah. we can use that kind of method or even something simpler i did for years i did with my sons i told them the stories uh, the stories about barney and ollie an orangutan and a gorilla and every night they escaped from the san francisco zoo so like you i just made things up and my kids loved it and then also when i learned folk tales because one of the reasons i believe in telling these traditional stories is that they've already been worked out and they're just Oh, magnificent, yeah. full of values, full of learning, full of human nature, history, culture, all the rest of it, but told in ways, you know, that kids love. So there are a million ways to do it, and I can't imagine a parent who can't be a storyteller. You just got to get in there. Yeah. I, I salute you for what you do. Mike. Well, and I, I, wouldn't you say the more you do it, the better you get? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, your kids are going to love it anyway so much at the beginning, and usually you do it when they're young, so you can feel very comfortable starting out whatever you think you're ability or performance level, that doesn't matter. You just get much better. And I'm sure you've seen that in your own telling. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just rolls. And then you can you play off of each time you tell the story, you can play off of that. It's great. Let me talk. Let's talk about Glad to be Dad. Sure. Uh, this is not your latest book, though, is it? 
Uh, actually, these, this I had a book of adult poetry, this book, and a children's book called Down at the Dino Wash Deluxe come out last year. So in a sense, it's my latest. I mean, I had yeah. the other two came out around the same time. But, All right. Yeah. Uh, what I like about even the title, now I have to tell you, I, I contacted you simply on the title of that book. Because it, 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 well, it's glad to be dead. It says so much that that is there. We all should be, as as gentlemen, we should be glad when we become dad. We should Absolutely. be glad that we are that we have been given this mantle to hold up this nobility torch, so to speak, to hold up high. Exactly. And, but, no, I, Mike, I can't agree more. Uh, one of the things, too, I guess, in some ways, two big pivots in my book are: first of all, it's only fair that men should be committed to their families. You know, their wives are working. So many wives are living lives, as one woman called it, of routine panic. You know, so many women are in the workforce now. But my biggest point is, you, you should be a, a committed father for your own selfish reasons. There are very few things in life. And, and, you know, being a real father, being a real mother is hard work. And there are rough times. But there are very few things in life that are ever going to bring you the joy, the satisfaction, the long-term relationship with your children. And for God's sakes, I became a better person. I mean, just what I learned about life from being with my kids, it's, it's so good for men. It should be, you know, it should be sold as a medicine. Yeah. You go to your doctor, you know, doctor, I'm become a committed dad. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be good for you just like exercise. I love that. And glad to be dead. Do you, uh, do you spell out some of the things, that, I mean, the, the, obviously the good points, uh, the positive points, which do have to be pointed out sometimes to us Absolutely all. Absolutely do. What? Mike, this is a great point. I, in fact, I spell them out in great detail. One of the chapters, for example, is called Benefits to Men, Home Life Benefits. Um, one of the problems here is, and I don't know what it's like for you, but for so many of us, especially in my generation, we didn't have any models of being a committed father. Right. I mean, my dad was a committed father, but he was a committed father in the sense that we never saw him. He worked all the time and just provided. And our relationships with him suffered for that. We have to kind of forge a new way of doing this, men in our generation, men in the current generation who are now having children. Um, but And they need to understand how much this is good for them. And I think your point is a great one. It needs to be pointed out. We need to help each other understand that. Yeah. I got to say, my dad was a old World War II guy, grew up in the Depression. That's that era Me we're too. talking about. Dad was Dad was there. We went fishing together. We used to split wood awesome. together. Oh, I love those times. The thing is, though, getting those guys to open up a little bit deeper. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. That's yeah. that's and, what was yeah. missing. Well, and you know, that's one of the things, too. I think uh, my dad and actually the wonderful uh, Tom Moran, Dr. Thomas Moran, a former colleague of mine, wrote the intro to this book. And he we talked about this a lot. And one of the things he said was he grew up with the idea that as a father, you backload your relationship with your kids. In other words, when they start getting older and go to college, that's when you really have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like that. And he said, what I learned from you and Priscilla, my wife, my amazing wife who taught me so much about this, he said, is that no, as a father, you front load. Like your dad, you're there with them from the beginning. Like you telling stories to your kids. And in a way, Mike, you telling stories to your kids means you're taking an extra step. Because that means you're becoming more open and emotionally engaging with your kids. It just happens, right? Right. right. When there's more conversation and all the rest of it. So I think you've really put your finger on it, too. This new man is going to be happier 
that many millions of us are because we can express our emotions more. We're not so caught up in that, you know, like that, kind of like my dad worked so hard. He was like a horse in harness sometimes, (laughs) you know. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. Let's all be honest about that. No, no, there's not. And you mentioned that uh, that, um, we don't have some a model to learn from uh, from our dads. And I would even say the generation that are dads now, the 20-somethings, 30-somethings that are becoming dads now, who did have kind of, you know, uh, guys, we were around. The problem is the culture that's out there and the way dads are portrayed to these young men is not always conducive to being a good dad. I could not agree more. In fact, there's a, a number of sections in Glad to be Dad about this. And let me just give you one example of this, too. I, I brought up a number of examples of how the idea that committed father doesn't even seem to occur to a lot of people. There's one in the book where there's an article about uh, U.S. soldiers who died in Afghanistan or Iraq. You know, these are young men yeah. who died there, yeah. and the article talks about their families and the effect on their families, and it talks about how much it hurt their mothers, and it talks about how much it hurt their siblings, and fathers aren't even mentioned. I mean, this. Oh. every time I think of this, I'm like, you really, somebody would take my grief if my son were to die in a war and, and just, like, ignore that? You're really right, Mike. Part of this is that we have to change the culture. And, of course, you change the culture in two ways. You change it from the inside by people living it differently. But then you've got to change it from the outside. So, you know, when you think about how, that, 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 how important it is that the culture have these images and models of, of really committed dads, and we're starting to see this, for example, in TV and movies to some degree, mm-hmm. but that's why men have to help each other formulate these things, and writers and radio hosts and website hosts are, are making a difference, yeah. and it's going to take a while. You know, culture, changing culture is like that thing they always say about turning one of those oil tankers, you know, it takes miles to do it. It's just, it's just not easy. Yeah, I think the tide is turning a little bit. I have quite an affiliation with the National Fatherhood Initiative in, uh, in Maryland. Excellent. A great group of people, and they really do a lot of good work um, as far as helping that, that sort of that tide turn a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And so you see more and more of those kind of things pop up. And your book, Glad to be Dad, there's a lot more resources out there than I think gentlemen understand. And I think if if... One of the things as guys we do that I don't think moms do is we we sort of have this pride thing. We have this knight in shining armor thing where we're going to rescue the (laughs) castle on our own. We don't need help. We don't need those guys over there. I got this. I'm the commander. I have felt from the beginning that uh, men and women had unbelievable amounts of things to learn from each other, and I think that's that's so true. And one of the ideas here, or the idea that you're, the point you're making right now is a great one. This cooperative approach is, is critical, and I mean, my wife still laughs about the time I, I ended up, in, we were in the car trying to get somewhere, and I wouldn't stop and ask for directions, and I actually ended up in a field in Wisconsin, by the way, Mike, <laughs> among cows, the car among cows. Uh, you know, and I'm like, the highway's right there. She's like, we can't get there. <laughs> you know, I was doing that typical male yeah. thing. We, we definitely need to learn, and I've learned, and I've been really lucky to be married to the person I'm married to, because together, we are just infinitely more powerful, resourceful, and effective than we are separately, and we really learned how to work together. Gentlemen, if you want to find out some, some good information about uh, about what it takes to be a good dad, whether you're a stay-at-home dad or whether you're not, how do you connect with your kids better? How do you connect with your wife better? How do you become that knight in shining armor she wants and still look for help from your buds? Well, it's all right here. It's called Glad to be Dad. Tim Myers wrote the book, 
And uh, you can find us just about anywhere, can't you, Tim? You can. It's on Amazon. It's all over the place. Yeah. How you about your children's books? My, my website is Tim Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, storysong.com, all one word. And you can find a bunch of links there to that book and to other of my books. There's I where it. I plug it, Mike. There you go, man. There you go, Tim. I appreciate your time today, and thanks for being on Radio Dad. You're, you're welcome anytime. Oh, Mike, I appreciate it. I'd love to do more if it ever comes up in the future. That's Tim Meyer. Glad to be Dad is his, uh, is his book. Look him up on the web. All right, and, and uh, this is the point of the Radio Dad podcast where we take a little quick break for our sponsor, the folks at BeRescued.com. We're going to come back and have another Radio Dad road trip, a family business. This guy, Kurt Beale, is hilarious, and we go on location to his, his place and get their family stories. You're going to love it. It's a fascinating story here on the Radio Dad podcast back in just a minute. Well, it's that time of year when dads and moms say goodbye to their child who is growing up and leaving the nest. Now, whether you're sending them off to college or off to the working, earning your own way world, let me suggest a care package. This would include the all-natural bee propolis products from BeeRescued.com. You know that original Bee Rescued balm with its naturally soothing and healing properties will come in handy in a lot of different situations in life. Send them off into the world with a lot of care and a lot of Bee Rescued from BeeRescued.com. Welcome back. This is Mike Austin, the Radio Dad Podcast, and we appreciate your patronage here. Tell your friends where we are. We're all talking about good fatherhood, being a good dad, raising good kids, all that kind of stuff. Radio Dad on the web at radiodad.com. And I'm always open to suggestions for uh, topics, for for guests, uh, and all that stuff. So um, this was a Radio Dad road trip in which... I had my phone on me. We were getting some upholstery done, and I, this guy gave me a story of his dad and his business, and I just thought it was groovy cool, and you would dig it. So let's go to Beale Upholstery. Where this beautiful workshop is busy. There are like elves uh, doing work on chairs and stuff like that. Here, Kurt Beale now is the owner of Beale Upholstery. It's a good thing your last name is Beale. That's absolutely right. Your, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, that's fact. right. Well, and it was your dad's last name. It was my dad's last name. And, and he started the business. His original name was, the, the original name of my grandfather was Belavichus. Oh, boy. He's from Lithuania, and it got changed on Ellis Island to Beale. So my dad's name was Beale. Now, did Grandpa or did Dad start the business? Well, it, Grandpa first and then Dad. They were together at the time. Oh. So Dad, it truly is a family business going back a couple of few generations there. Yes, uh, they started, actually, my grandfather started before World War II, and then you couldn't get supplies at the time because of the war. Okay. And then he, re- and then he started up again in 1946. I got you. So he said two beginnings. That's right. Now, did he start off just doing chairs, or was it, um, uh, I mean, you do a lot of, like, rebuilding and stuff like that? He did a lot of custom building at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he did uh, commercial work. And an awful lot of custom building, and he did that with uh, clients that were, uh, for instance, we went to a lot of frame shops in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. and he custom built. And then he did reupholstery. He had a shop, and he had a lot of immigrants that worked for him from Czechoslovakia, uh, Germany, Italy, that learned the trade in Europe. Well, uh, well, scooch ahead now. You're a young man in the 60s, maybe? Well... 1960s? 60s, yeah. How old were you when you first started coming to the shop? Uh, I was like 
three. Really? What was the first? Do you remember the first thing Dad let you do? Dad gave me a little little box. My mother's had taken him out of the house, <laughs> so he gave me a little box to sit by, and he gave me a hammer, and I just started nailing with some tacks. Then when I was four or five, I started taking apart furniture, and then I used to work with the other upholsters. And then as you take things apart, you start to learn how they go together. And that's how I started. And he, and he had me doing small jobs. He had me going on, when I was four and five years old, he took me on estimates with customers. Wow. So to this day, I learned from my dad how to go into a home and, and display fabrics and, and try and help the customer. Right. So that's how I learned how to deal with customers. He taught me the business because I used to spend weekends with him. I used to spend nights. I, sp I was always around him. Isn't that funny, though? It always seems to be a young a little boy who's very mechanical. He wants to know how things are put together, how they come apart. Yes. I don't know about you. When I was a kid, the first thing I did was take all the, my toy cars apart. Exactly. All the wheels came off. When I was a little kid, I was a gearhead. Oh, yeah. If I could take something apart, I would. Yeah. And, and uh, I used to take, uh, well, my dad's car apart, too. I, used to, <laughs> I bet he loved that. I used to go out in a garage and take his car apart. I used to take, then when I was a young man, I used to, to do, replace the brakes in my car. But then the furniture, you know, that, that all comes together. You know, you have that in your mind. Yeah. How when, you, when things are in a million pieces, they have to go together without any spare parts. When did it become obvious you were going to take over Beale upholstery and, and carry on the family business? I told my dad I wasn't going to do this for a living. I said, Dad, I want to see the world. I want to do other things. He said, fine. And then I, I got into the business world. I started going to meetings. I was in corporate world, and I sat there, and I said, you know, what, what am I doing here? What, why, why, I, mean, I want to go in. I'm, I want to work with my hands. So I told my wife, we're moving to Wisconsin, Janesville. We love it here. We used to visit our friends here when they had a cottage, and we're going to, I'm going to open a business. And she said, okay, okay, <laughs> and she was a little bit skeptical, but she hung in there. She's a good wife, and, and uh, our kids were small, and, and we, we're doing fine. We love it. Now, we, was Dad gone by then? And Dad had passed away. So you had to kind of restart the business. I actually restarted it. He had just retired. He got sick and retired. All of my family, nobody ever really retired. Actually, they got sick. And when they died, then the next person took over. So I, I let it go. It was in Chicago, and I let it go for a little while, and I started it up again. And, I, you know, I, I love it. Now, how about your kids? Anybody going to take over? I, they worked in the shop with me when they were little kids, and they can do the same thing I did. Yeah. They can say, look, I, I'm opening an upholstery shop. I, I love what I did with my dad. Although, you know, when you're working with your dad, you're thinking, you know, you're going to see the world. You're going to go to college. He said, you have to go to college. You have to get an education because that's the way life was then. You know, parents still think that way. Sure. So I, what I'm doing right now is basically what my dad did. I'm doing the same thing on my dad, on my grandfather. I'm, yeah. I'm them. You use any of his old tools or anything? I have them all back there. Fantastic. I have all my dad's tools you know, the little hammer that I used when I was a kid? You still, still use it, it today. <laughs>
That's good. I still use it. All those tools I remember when I was a little kid, and they're still around. And can, can we go? Can we see? We, we can, can I go, go into the inner sanctum of Beale upholstery? We're walking now We're walking into the back. inner sanctum of Beale upholstery. This is great. Oh, way in the back, I'm seeing uh, cushions and batting and wood and. I thought it would smell a lot like glue back here, but it doesn't. It does. This some, is, days. Uh, some days it does. You just got to have the right. Okay, now let me come over and there's the little hammer. Look at that. And he there. taught you how to use that. Taught me how to use it. Can we hear it in action? Yes, you can. Uh-oh, here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. All right. This is Kurt Beale using his hammer from when he was three years old. All right, here Beale you go. upholstery. Hang on, let me come here over. You and we'll... Here you go. I'm All going right. into the chair right here. This is a what kind of chair? This this is a, uh, an accent chair, and there's two of them, and they match. This is a queen something. It looks like a queen something. Queen and queen. No, no, actually, this is a Chippendale. Oh. Right. So here you go. Look at that. That's a 12-ounce tack. Just like when I was three years old. Look at you go. Yeah. I've got some others here, too. I've got, I've got others here. <laughs> This is a stretcher I used when I was oh, five years I'm old. I'm looking at a thing with lap. it's a handle with claws on it. Yeah, that, no, you, I, I could comb the dog with that. I've got, <laughs> you could. Um, there, this is an updated version, but this is the version that we used That's back amazing. when I was a kid. So all these things, and and I have, I'm going to show you my grandfather's sewing machine. He's very proud of the tools. And his grandfather's sewing machine, which still works. I can still use it. <laughs> We're going to hear it in action. Look at that thing. Well, you yeah. can't look at it, but I'm, I'm going to describe it. It looks very old, and it's black. Everything back then was black. Black. That was a Singer sewing machine from 1946. We're going to hear it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to plug it in. And it's electric, so you don't have to pump it with your feet or anything. 1946. His grandpa's. Yeah. And he still uses it. Yes, I do. To work on machinery. Or no, to work on uh, upholstery. Now, what would you sew with this? This would be cushions and stuff. I, I would sew all three or four plies of upholstery fabric on it or vinyl. Okay. Can we? Is it going to be okay now? Yeah, it's going to be okay. I don't want to. As soon as I find oh, it. Like, oh. Hold on, hold on. Okay. I'll edit this out. Back don't worry. Up a little bit. I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll show you Just what turn that one on. Like. They won't know the difference. That's Here what we, they sound like. We can hear the and now it's a warming up. Does it have to warm up? That's the warm up stage. The, the motor is just getting warmed up right now. Okay. Yeah. You want to hear it go? Sure, yeah. All right, I'm getting some fabric here. Here it comes. And I'm going to run it through and I'm going to make a welt. A what? This is going to be a welt. A welt. We put welts, it's called piping. We put that around cushions. Okay. All right, here we go. Don't get your finger in there. No, well, you ever do that? Uh, yes, I have. And it, and uh, one, once in a while, when you're in a hurry, you do things that you wish you hadn't done. <laughs> Here it goes. There it is. Listen to that. That's how they sound. And this is a beautiful sound oh, right there's here. There's commerce coming in. I'm going to let you go. We're Beale Upholstery. Yes. And it's his dad's business. Beale Upholstery. Absolutely, we upholster couches. We do. <laughs> and with that, Mr. Beal had to get back to work, and we let him have the rest of his day. It was a real Radio Dad road trip. We're going to be taking more of those in the very near future, so hopefully we can visit the place where you are and get the RV cranked up. Our thanks also to Tim Meyer, Glad to be Dad, his, his book. And... Uh, 
Well, uh, that's going to do it for this Radio Dad podcast. Our thanks to our sponsors, the folks at BeRescued.com. That's B-E-E-Rescued.com. All natural products. you got to love that. And uh, please subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe. We'd love to build that base and make this into something. Radio Dad, over on the web at RadioDad.com. We'll see you next time on the Radio Dad podcast. <laughs>